Andy, my dude, have you heard of the magical website builder known as Squarespace? Ugh, not another Squarespace ad. I feel like every podcast is sponsored by them. <laughs> hey, 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 don't knock it till you try it. Yes, okay, it is overhyped. But actually, it lives up to the hype. Squarespace is like a website fairy godmother. With a click of a button, your site transforms into a beautiful masterpiece. A website fairy godmother? That sounds interesting. What makes it so magical? Well, for starters, those slick templates make anyone look like a professional web designer. Pick one, customize the colors and fonts to match your brand, and voila. Plus, the drag-and-drop fluid engine is so easy, your grandma could build a site on Squarespace. Well, she did knit me a lovely scarf last Christmas. Maybe website design is next. Exactly. And when you're ready to sell your Nana's handmade scarves online, Squarespace has built-in e-commerce. Add a store with one click. Get flexible payment options. Then watch those sales roll in. And when she wants to teach others her steezy scarf skills, Squarespace's new courses feature is just the ticket. Nana can set up her curriculum and enrollments and payments in a snap and become the next e-knitting influencer. Wow, you really sold me with the grandma angle. Sign me up for that free try. Just go to thenextreel.com slash Squarespace and transform your site into a beautiful Squarespace masterpiece. Well, thanks, Pete. Even though it's overhyped, Squarespace actually sounds perfect for Nana's site's needs. Appreciate the warning on the ads, though. I'll brace myself next time I listen to a podcast. Anytime. Let me know if you need any help getting that site up and running. Andy, can you believe we've almost hit 700 episodes of The Next Reel? I know, it's crazy. And with all the other episodes in our family of podcasts, we are well over 1,200 episodes of movie conversation. It's really pretty amazing that we've gotten to have these in-depth movie chats every week for over a decade now. And we couldn't have done it without our loyal community of film fans. Their support over the years has meant so much. For sure. That reminds me, we should give the merch store a shout out. Buying shirts from thenextreel.com slash merch is a great way listeners can continue to support the show. Plus, they get to support our great designs. Absolutely. I think sometimes folks forget we have a variety of shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more available. In fact, a great place to start is with a shirt sporting the Next Reel's logo. We also have that classic Fast Times Spicoli Surf School tee, or the weirdly popular Rusty's European Tour shirt. The one from National Foods European Vacation. Why is that so popular? <laughs> Search me, but we have sold a ridiculous number of those. I guess there are a lot of Rusties taking trips to Europe? We're always adding new designs based on movies we've covered, like our brand new design for a streetcar named Desire, featuring a streetcar named Desire. So if you want to rep your love of TNR and films, head to thenextreel.com slash merch. Every purchase helps us continue to have these weekly in-depth conversations. So visit thenextreel.com slash merch today. And as always, thanks for listening and being a part of the Next Real community. We've got lots more great movie chats coming your way. We all love movies, but the world of entertainment has been shifting over the years, and now our options are broader than ever before. We may be waiting for movie theaters to reopen, but in the interim, we've got Netflix, HBO Max, Amazon Prime, Disney Plus, Hulu, Apple TV Plus, CBS All Access, Paramount Plus, and more to keep us busy. We've got more incredible movies to be excited about and discuss than ever before, so let's dig in. Welcome to the Film Board. 
On this episode, we are talking about the newest animated movie brought to us by Disney, starring Kelly Marie Tran, Aquafina, Gemma Chan, Daniel Day Kim, Benedict Wong, Sandra Oh, and many, many more. It's Raya and the Last Dragon. of the Dragon Gem. But this world has changed. And its people are divided. Now, to restore peace, I must find the last dragon. My name is Raya. Getting a little too big for this, bud. My name is Andy Nelson, host of The Next Reel, and today I'm chatting with two hosts from various Next Reel properties to get their thoughts on this movie so we can share them with all of you. Kyle Olson. That's me. And Rob Kubasco. Wait a minute. Oh, I'm here. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) We have confirmation he is here. Well, as we say on the next reel, when the movie ends, our conversation begins. So let's talk. All right, Ryan and the Last Dragon. Initial thoughts from you two, Kyle. What did you think of the movie? I was very impressed. I had I had high expectations going in, just from uh, I'm a, as a Disney fan and as someone who's seen all the stuff that they've done and, and keeps up on it. I, I was like, you guys already have a very very high bar, and I thought they really, if not cleared it, then at least met it <laughs> in my in my head. Um, gorgeous, uh, and also. Like I, I sometimes get down on animated films about the stunt casting. Like DreamWorks has a bad mm. history of like who's hot right now. Put them in a movie. Put them in front of the microphone. But this cast is unbelievable. Like I, if I would half of these people, if they were in a movie, I would see it just on the strength of their name. So just every time a new person showed up and they opened up their mouth, I would go, "Oh, I know who that is," and I would like have to flip through all of a sudden to see if I was right. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a uh, it's 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 quite a piece of work. What about you, Rob? What did you think? I agree. Um, really enjoyed this much more. Honestly, I had high expectations, but I enjoyed it much more than I thought I did because I wasn't prepared for the for the timeliness of the story for these times in this world. So I, I did enjoy that. Now, I will just say I'm going to tease everyone right now. You've got to listen to the end of this episode because there was a moment early on in the movie that I had a, an epiphany. 
I can't share it yet because it will derail the conversation, (laughs) but we will get to it. And when I tell it to you, your minds may be blown away. Wow. It's exciting. I can't wait now. Now I just want to get to the end. Well, no, no, we got a lot. I'm I'm going to flip to the end and just (laughs) (laughs) fast forward to. That's right. That's right. Well, I'm glad that you two really connected with this one. I struggled with this one and I was very frustrated by how much I struggled uh, with it because I, yeah, I mean, it's a beautiful film. I love watching Disney's animated output. I think that they do some really incredible things. I love this cast. It was just so exciting to see as the names were revealed who was involved in it and i just like was so thrilled by it but when it came time to the film itself i just i felt like uh, i just i don't know i just i had a real struggle connecting and part of it was weirdly i don't think aquafina worked for me as Mm. the last dragon and that was really frustrating because i love aquafina and and one, I was a little like it was weird because the trailers and everything made it seem like finding La- the last dragon was what the movie was about. And really, like the last dragon is found like in the first 10 minutes of the movie. I'm yeah. like, oh, that wasn't that wasn't that hard. And then we had to spend all this time with her. And I just really struggled with her as a character. And I like the themes. I like what it's saying. I just I just really had a hard time clicking with it. So, yeah, but I'm glad that you two definitely clicked with it more than I did. So I think we'll have a good conversation um, talking about this movie. Let's kind of like, you know, set the stage, as it were, for this conversation. Let's talk about this story, because it's an interesting story. I really like that they're really kind of creating this mythology of this of this world. What did you two think of the way that we are set up with this with this land? And I'm totally blanking on what it's called now. Commandra. No, you know what? I, I that was a perfect way to put it. They this is a movie with its own mythology that immediately does a really good job of trying to give you spatial awareness of what it is because they have a map. This great, it's a great creative device to use the image of a dragon as the waterways of this map. And yeah, you'll get a little Lord of the Rings, Middle Earth sort of flavor here with the map, right? Because because every area has its own thing. But the, I thought they did a phenomenal job with tying that. That's the that that is the thread that ties the entire story together. And who knew, I had no idea you were going to get a movie with five incredibly distinct realized environments. They went all sure, in on this. Yeah. And and just, yeah. re- it is spectacular. I mean, listen, I can't say this enough about the animation. We'll try oh, to get to, but, yeah, yeah. We'll but, start with that. It, but it's all part of that. I mean, that is part of the what they did here. And I'll tell you, it really worked. I mean, it, it makes me, it makes me think that there's going, that if this does well, there's clearly this isn't the whole earth is not just this one piece of land. There's more pieces of land. I'm sure they'll get to that. But no, I, I think like I think that is just a key thing. And and you and if you're going to create your own mythology for a story like this, something that is completely new and different, inspired by Southeast Asian, uh, the origins of, of our earth. This, I think, probably was the best way to do it. The the fantasy part of it was was much heavier than I expected it to be in terms of like what Rob was saying creating a whole new world like this isn't history this isn't a part of any mythology this is something brand new they created inspired by that which i think was a smart move for them because disney has taken a couple on the chin from like frozen and moana from like the people you know oh there comes disney stealing our culture again you know like they they come in and they just take our myths they take our stories and they make money off of it you know usually for a bunch of white people uh but this way they they are inspired by that set but not necessarily a specific story they're not pulling a character from 
from southeastern mythology. They're inspired by that, the look of it, the characters of that, uh, and then making their own thing. And yeah, I, I thought the world uh, was very well developed. I, I mean, I, I did have the same problem with you as with Aquafina, though. Like, interesting. I, okay. I, I do love Aquafina, but as I expected her to come in sort of like Robin Williams as the genie, like, okay, she's, yeah. she's talking modern. Like she's going to be like the, our thing and, you know, she, and everybody else is sort of like, Oh, I don't understand these strange things you're saying. And she came in and it was sort of like, okay, I'm just waiting for her to do something hilarious. Like say something funny, do something great. Like, uh, okay. Oh, you're just, you're just a, just a dragon. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I never really got that. I mean, she was great, but she was no better or worse than the rest of the ensemble. Now the ensemble was really strong and she had a really strong performance, but I never got that breakout thing of like, you know, like, like we had with, with the, there's different characters. Like, um, let's see, I'm trying to think of, of who else sort of like, well, like Olaf, like Olaf busted out. Like all of a sudden everybody's yeah, talking about right, Olaf right. or, um, or Baymax. Like, yes. like a, yes. a character, you know, like a supporting character sort of from thing all of a sudden becomes huge and suddenly it's, it's Halloween costumes and it's everywhere. Like she was great, but I don't really see that 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 her performance is really going to create that much of a stir in the way that Josh Gad did. Right. It was weird for me because I felt like uh, and again, it's just it maybe just contextualizing the type of story, like this fantastical world that we were in. And maybe it was because in my head that right away put me into more of a kind of a Hayao Miyazaki style of, oh, of world where we're cr creating this really interesting fantasy world. Yeah. And then it was off putting for me when suddenly we had this kind of like this this modern talking dragon. And it just, you know, she just was it just seemed Honestly, as a dragon, I guess I felt like it, it not to say it has to be like a male character or something, but I was expecting like a deeper toned voice um, out, out of a dragon, which I don't know. And maybe it's just because they're big. <laughs> Do you think now I actually agree with both of you because and I thought that the solution to that, I think they realized that. OK, here's a theory that Matt, that dragon is a majestic, flowing, serene creature. No, mm -hmm. her voice is completely wrong for it. Yeah. And that's right. why she she transforms oh, because once she transforms, yeah. I mean, I was going to say this not to get out of joint here, but because we're talking about this, that has got to be the greatest mapped face of an actor ever, because my <laughs> wife even yeah. said this. She goes, that's Aquafina. Yes. When she's yeah. in her human form. Yeah. No, like they got it all like that's absolutely perfect. If it had just been that character, if she had just been this mythical humanoid creature with the crazy gray, you know, gray hair. I think everyone would say that's Aquafina. Yeah, the dragon voice. I really wonder if they had a point where they had to say, "Yo, we have to we have to humanize her because the voice doesn't match." Uh, no, it just it's it seems so off putting, and yeah. and that made it a real struggle for me to to kind of connect with that character, which is such a central character to the story. <laughs> She's in the title. Yeah, right. It it made it frustrating. Um, and, you know, conversely, I loved Raya. I thought mm -hmm. uh, Kelly Marie Tran was great as the character of Raya. Like, I thought her voice and her character, I really bought into. There was a little bit of me. And again, this is me. You know, I get into this thing where, like, I want my fantasy worlds to be like fantasy worlds. And then when they say things like dragon nerds, right. I'm like, mm. we're kind of pulling me out of that a little bit. because, And I know you're trying to make it, you know, connect with the kids. But I also feel like it's you're being too clever or something, you know, trying to make it too modern. I don't know. Is that is that something that that you two felt too? I did. I, I was aware of it. Like, I mean, yeah. in the Dragon Nerd thing, and, and a couple other times where they would use really modern 
uh, idioms or something where I go, right. oh, it's yeah. sort of like I would, I would sort of get into something. And I think I can't remember what it was, but there's something in the final fight between the two girls. They did something like we have issues or something that like something something like that where I kind of went, oh, it sort of like knocked me out for a second. I was like, oh, that that's, I didn't expect that in, in this kind of situation. So, yeah, I was I understand sort of what they were going for. Um, but at the same time, yeah, it was a little but not by the other side. I would kind of rather prefer that experiment than having them do middle earth speech you know like you right. know like they're the proto shakespearean sort of nonsense i mean the kind of the the stuff they tried to do with like the first thor movie where they're like you know it's very like the the my brother who ought you know that kind of like i don't want that i don't want that for them i like so if they're gonna go one way it was an experiment i think it worked fairly well yeah i guess i just struggled with it um but, you know, I mean, I, I get your point and I know exactly why they did it. Right. Let's talk about setting up stories. Does it work for you? Are we past a point where movies need to start this way, where it's like midway through the story and then we have narration kind of saying, oh, you know what? Let me tell you how I got to this point. And then we do this flashback, and, like set well, us up. There I am. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, I know. Here I, I am six yeah. years ago with my dad. Right. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I, I guess I kind of wish they had given us a little more of her before we did the flashback. Like, if you're going to do that, okay, like, in Medius Race, like, drop drop us in uh, in the middle of the action, great. Big action scene at the start, you know, real exciting and stuff, too. And then have her get to the point where she's just about to, like, do the dragon spell or whatever, and then go, zoop, and then take it, like, like oh, and then take us back, and then show us why we got to this point. Like, to sort of just do what they did, it was just kind of like a tease. Like, you, yeah, are, right. you already know she's going to survive. You already know where she's going to end up. And so it kind of takes away the dramatic tension of her and things like, oh, how is her life going to fall apart? That's all you're sort of waiting for. I'm at a point right now when when I see a film that does that, I ask myself, okay, did they need to do this or could they have just started back six years ago when Raya was with her dad and we have that whole setup and then we come to six years later where now Raya is pursuing the pieces of the Dragonstone. Yeah. I mean, what did you think of all that, Rob? How's that work for you? No, you know what? I think think there's only so much. Okay, again, this is and this is an animated, this is a Disney animated movie flat right up front. I think are you trying are to, you what are you trying to say by, <laughs> by is that a qualifier in no, some way? No, it's not a qual- it's just that I As think you think lesser of this cuz it's mm. just an animated no, film. I, I just think <laughs> you're trying to keep the story more linear. Like I think you are literally just trying to make this case of here's what happened. Now we you know what I mean? Now we're jumping no. here. I'm all for nonlinear yeah. stories. I just want there to be more of a reason for it. And I feel like oh, this right. ti- this way that they're doing it is just becoming so common now and I'm just like Okay, here we go again. Yeah, I'm trying. I'm trying to think of you know, even the last couple ones they've done where this would have worked. Like, do you start out with Rapunzel getting out of the tower, and then you go, "Here's how I got into that tower." You know, yeah, I mean, right, does it right, really right, add much right. to the the story time? But and at the same time, maybe they because it's a technically an action adventure movie more than because even Kelly Marie Tran has said in interviews she's not supposed to talk about it as a princess movie. Though the, though oh, she is a princess, yeah, right. Disney has said. Don't talk about that part. Like we're not, we don't want you. We don't Uh, want to put it up there with Snow White and Cinderella and stuff too. Even though you are a princess, but let's just uh, keep that on the back burner. Are they pushing her off like the princess in Atlantis? Are they? I I think so. Yeah, poor Kita. Wow, they are shoving another princess off the list. Yeah, exactly. Like, like why weren't they in the room in Wreck It Ralph too? Yeah, that's crazy. Well, okay, so. The film has good stuff going on. The yes. me- there's there's some strong messages 
in the story mm-hmm. about trust, learning to trust and and accepting and, and finding that place in your heart, being able to reflect, to kind of self-reflect so that you're able to put the trust in other people. And I found that to actually be quite powerful in the film. This these these five groups that make up this land, they have trust issues. <laughs> it really is the bottom line. <laughs> the messaging though with all of that, I found to be pretty strong. Yes, it is pretty Disney in the way that they kind of bring it across and, and kind of have everything unfold. But I still really connected with that. I found that to be pretty strong. I agree. I, it was it was I felt like an idiot because when they finally when they picked up Tong, I was sort of like, oh, there's one from each of the lands. I was like, oh, duh. Like I I turned to my daughter, like like think my 13 yeah, year old, right. like, like I had a dramatic <laughs> revelation. She's like, there's one from each of the. She's like, yeah. I was like, oh, OK, sorry. I'm just I'm an idiot. I, was, I didn't I didn't like but I, I'm I'm always um, I'm always in the bag for assembling the team. That's one of my favorite parts of movies is when they're getting everybody together and to have that ensemble that found family thing like oh, no, i'm always in the bag for that um when it, it when it gets to the the end it actually one thing that has not happened with all the disney movies is it actually sparked a big discussion in our, our family about like who was right in the final confrontation scene like uh you know the when they're facing off and and the arrow goes off and and sisu goes down and stuff too and so we actually had to pause the movie because we got into like really a thing of like was raya right you know, was you know was was you know I can't what the other what was the other the other one she was facing off against Namari Namari yeah was Namari was Namari going to fire because she had her finger on the trigger I mean like we had to stop and kind of go like you know who was who was who was wrong who was right like because which was great because for a like you said like what could be a simplistic Disney movie when they get to that final confrontation I was so emotionally invested in the two of them because you're kind of like they're both kind of right and both kind of wrong and and you know sort of it's it really gets that crescendo of like man whoever wins somebody's you know somebody's also going to really lose in this situation and it could be the world did you uh you know one of the things that i found interesting uh well one in terms of themes i think what was what was deeper than i expected about this in terms of the trust theme was it wasn't just trust. It was trusting others even when there is full-blown evidence for distrust. Yes. Sure, sure. Yeah. Like, yes. hey, you got it. And, and that last scene is so great. I'm going to take the first step. I'm going to sacrifice myself. Yeah. Self-sacrifice. Yeah. Going all the way to the story of the dragons. And then she actually embodies that yeah. prejudice and prejudice born by perceptions. There's this amazing early on, I have to say. If anybody's listening to this and going, oh, I don't know, just watch the first eight minutes because here's why you should watch the first eight minutes of the movie. Three different animation styles. Yes. A preface that is done in like a paper puppet area. You have the 3D realm. And then when she talks about her perceptions, it switches to traditional animation. And it's amazing. I like, love okay. that. Love yes. It. First eight minutes. And yeah. it, it literally like just watch the first eight minutes and then decide if you want to watch the rest of the movie. Okay, another thing is... Well, if you I paid think, $30 to watch it, you probably should watch the rest <laughs> oh, By the way, did I mention that you're listening to this and we're all in the on it for 90 bucks? Never yeah. mind. Yeah, so, right. uh, exactly. Geez. When you put it like that... <laughs> yeah, I know. So Just to sweet. do this podcast, Disney got $100 from 90 us. Buy, 90 bucks, people. Well, that being so, said... A subscription fee. That being said, well, okay. it would have been cheaper. It, it was cheaper than if I took the whole family to the movie yes, theater to I pay agree. for it. Yep. So, yep. Yep. Exactly. Um, no, you know what, what? What I think also is interesting is that they decided... Okay, there's a lot of religious themes in this movie that they pulled from different places. When you constantly talk about the fall of man, mm. 
that's Judea Christian. I mean, like, and it's not, and trust me, don't, and don't get scared off by that. This wasn't, they're not proselytizing. No, 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 no. This is just taking concept. Blew my mind is, is like when she goes through her rite of passage at the beginning, her father baptizes her. Oh, right. Yeah. I mean, like, okay, you're, you're pulling from all these different things. And I have to say, I think they did really well going all back to this mythology to to see all that. But I I mean, I do think that the theme of this, that the self-sacrifice for trust, wow, I mean, they reached high on that. I I really think, and and I was moved very much at the end scene because you didn't see that coming. I love what I love. The switch here is, is that the actual hero is not who you thought. Yeah. That's or, pretty awesome. Or she is the hero, but because she chooses to sacrifice herself in the way that she does. You well, know, it's so like yeah. in, in context. Both, exactly. Yeah. Both characters that way, right? Yeah, right. right. Exactly. Uh, one, it's, one thing I really I really liked about Raya in particular is that we, we see where there's basically there's always that that time jump where it's like, I want to know what happened in there. Like, you know, <laughs> you always go like, oh, what a sweet kid. Now badass warrior. And you're like, oh, wait, so what like what but is that she wasn't ever bumbling. Like, and always, there's always this tendency of, like, when you have somebody, even if they're good, even, let's, let's say Moana. Moana was never meant to be a warrior, I guess. But, like, she, like, you know, she falls, she goes in the water. She, like, you know, she's a little bit, like, stumbly-bumbly. But, like, Raya does not make those mistakes. Like, when she's going after the, the baby, con baby... Like she's like when she leaps sideways through the square window and catches her hat. I mean, like that's full on action movie stuff. It was great. Uh, So, I mean, in addition to just the fact that, I mean, her emotional development and, and, you know, basically learning that, learning to trust, learning self-sacrifice, just the fact that they never made her lesser. As the went wrong, she was still a strong warrior all the way through, and never had any of those like like oops, I my sword hit the wrong thing, and now I get hit with a fruit or whatever. Like they could have been very very easy to go that route, exactly. Uh, but they didn't, and I was I'm very I'm very, very pleased with that. You brought up con baby, yeah. Yes. You, you did have to bring up the baby. <laughs> Got to talk about it. Oh. I knew where you were going because <laughs> we have many things to talk about about this. Go we ahead. <laughs> well, I just I you know. We had Boss Baby a few years ago, and all I could think about was, like, uh, you know, people realize that a baby as, like, an actual, like, protagonist or antagonist in a film could be really funny. And obviously, they'd already done those live-action baby movies that I, super geniuses or whatever, that I completely missed. But, I mean, it is really funny when you have this little baby that's doing these things. But in context, again, in context of this story, I'm like, where? how does this work? Why are we all of a sudden having this, like insanely insanely qualified baby who is like little ninja baby working with three i don't know monkey type of things i really of, struggled a little with bit that. broke their rules too because all the way through the only thing uh th- that was being turned to stone were people until the last scene and then the monkeys got turned to stone too and i was like wait i didn't think animals were affected by this Oh. Uh, interesting. Although I'm like, did we ever see a time where an animal was with a human that got turned to stone and the animal didn't? Or did we just not ever see animals? I know. I just I, I was just going by like as they're looking as the as they're going down the river and they're like, yeah. they're looking on the signs and stuff, too. The, we never actually see like stone cows. You know, <laughs> right, or stone like a whole herd. Herd. Right, like, yeah, exactly. Because like, right, right. if they're harvesting, you know, because like they're if they're harvesting, you know, life energy or whatever, then yeah, like. 
go through an ant farm and then suddenly you got all sorts of life energy. But <laughs> little stone ants everywhere. Yeah. I love that. Just like a whole swarm of gnats that they just like right. loop <laughs> just like, You're like, ow, ow, what am I stepping on? And then like just, <laughs> these, you know, stone bees all over the ground. Exactly. So uh, something else we have to talk about. Is this the first incident of fully rendered human backside nudity in a Disney animated film? In CG, yes, but I... Did we ever see naked Tarzan? <laughs> I, I mean, this was a Only, fully yeah. naked yes. butt. Yep. Yeah, yep. I, I feel like we have, but I don't know where. It, it seems like it's a gag where like their pants mm-hmm. drop down and they quick, quickly have to pull them up or something. But yeah. I don't know if I can pinpoint it. Although I do remember that, and it's not a Disney film, it was DreamWorks, that um, the uh, what was the one? It was Ray Fiennes and Kevin Kline, uh, Road to El Dorado. Um, that was one where, again, this was, you know, Katzenberg right. being edgy and he had right. the two male characters naked and jumping into like a, a you know, a hot, a, a, you know, hot sauna, something like that. So just that made, uh, I just made this exact yeah. point on set, Matt, by the way. Oh, did you? <laughs> <laughs> the, the Katzenberg influence. Kick him in now the crotch. No, don't judge me because I, I was just amused by this because, again, this is a this could have gone really badly this, yes. in terms of the sequence. And they handled it where it's so fast and so quick and fortunately doesn't do anything really stupid. But you have to go watch this. And if you're saying to yourself, are you serious? Watch the scene kind of go through it frame by frame, because let me tell you something. <laughs> The monkeys and they're ongies, by the way. They actually have a name. Oh. They're called the ongies. <laughs> the ongies. Oh, I, yeah, I didn't think they were monkeys. This. Yeah, okay. No, th- yeah, they're they're a creature, right? Yeah, yeah they're right, all right. in this because as the camera cuts, you can see the baby start to get ready to take off her pants. Uh-huh. The ongies take the pants. That's right, and they throw are the, the diaper. ones yeah. who then put the pants back. Right. Like, so this is a practiced maneuver. Exactly. <laughs> that's my point. The diaper slingshot. <laughs> but wow. as none of them okay. can talk, it's interesting how they were able to coordinate this. Like how yes. did they learn? How Clearly, they, they train I, together. And this is where the road you don't <laughs> yeah, want to go. I know. That's not even. Yeah. It's yeah. It's so weird. What a yeah. weird yeah. part of the movie. And you know, it's it is it's a fantasy. It's quirky. It has these sorts of things. But there are certain elements that I want to buy into when I'm when I'm in a world. And when all of a sudden a baby is turning into this like little ninja, that's when my my I start questioning things because I'm like, well, was was Raya like this when she was a baby? Like I, you know, mm-hmm. all these things that start. Can we say one the positive thing, though? The baby is from the Talon part of the map of the area. Uh-huh. I can't say enough how the gorgeousness of the animation, but that whole floating market city. Yeah, yeah right. Whoa. And they, even, yeah. they even call attention to the fact like, oh, yeah, that's right. If they're they can't go on water, so we'll build our city on water. And it was yeah, like, was oh, fantastic. yeah, that's really good. But you've got to experience the lighting and the I mean, it's unlike anything yeah. I've seen them do. Like they've gotten close. But no, this is this is a whole different level. So anyway, it really Beautiful. is. I mean, you know, I mean, we may as well just talk about the animation at this point, because I mean, th- it's stunning. I mean, this film, whether yeah. it's whether it's the human hair or the skin or yeah. the dragon scales and the dragon. Just the, like all of that sort of Running stuff. Running on it, the raindrops? When it starts raining. And yeah, oh the, oh, yeah. it was just really... St- and the water. There was a shot yes. when... And I can't remember what it was with the water. Um, when it was just like... It might have been when the water started getting all sucked down into the ground. Oh, after yeah. After um, Sisu dies. There's a shot of the water. I'm like, is this... This looks like a real image of water. Like, it just totally was so authentic. It really... Uh, just stunned me that uh, how they did that. And and like you were saying, Rob, the different cultures that we have in these five, uh, these different five um, civilizations that are a part of this land, 
they're all so unique and they all make sense. Yeah. And that's in the context of world building. And this is why I'm so frustrated by things like the baby because they built such an amazing, fascinating world that I totally want to know more about. It's like everything was working so well in this world. And then there was like this strange baby thing that I just <laughs> I can't bite off on. I just want to say one thing about the water. It's There's another sequence where the boat takes off for the first time really well. And my wife and I both looked at each other and went, uh, that looks incredibly real. Like they, they've mastered water, water in animation now, indistinguishable from the real thing. They've just done it. It's yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. And I remember even back in the days when, uh, Incredibles was coming out and they, Brad Bird was like, oh yeah, my, my character's going to run on water. And they're like, uh, <laughs> he's going, what? <laughs> like animators were terrified of water and like, look how far we've come. We're now like, you said that and you don't even think about it. You're like, oh yeah, water. Yeah. She's like swimming. Yeah. Sort of dragging swimming underwater. Sure. Of course. And I was impressed with what they did with the water in Frozen 2 with like those water horses. Like that was just yeah. stunning. And then yeah, to see not. this. I'm like, wow, they really are just masters. And that's something I've always loved with Disney. And, you know, we were off off mic talking about kind of film technologies and the way that things are constantly evolving and improving and just the way things are always getting better and allowing them to kind of do more because of the creative energies that these artists have and what they're trying to do with the tools in front of them. And this film, it's I mean, it's not, you know, film per se, as far as like an actual film strip and camera or, or whatever it is these days, but it still is capturing images, digital, digital images that are, I mean, it's just like what they have done now with capturing these images and building these images. I mean, it just blows my mind. There are so many things that take this up again. How can they keep going up notches? No, this movie does in a few areas. Yeah. Uh, goes like, up a notch. What you're talking about in the different areas, the, the completely different weather environments like yes. you, you say we, we talk about the city and stuff too the desert which is where we start out the thing then they go up to spine and it's like the the far you know winter thing and then you have where where they start out i guess chronologically heart which is sort of the very very watery everything's overgrown and stone everywhere but every time and the nice thing about that is even though they do the uh Winter Soldier inspired <laughs> title cards every time those, those yeah. pop up I'm like oh that's from the Russos um uh, even though they didn't invent it. Uh, but I, and you that's know funny because I was thinking that it was something like from Avatar or something, like going even farther back because when they're going from the different lands in Avatar, I feel like it's the same sort of thing. Huh? Okay. Well, another, another product owned by Disney. So. <laughs> the, I'm laughing no, because not, not the James Cameron one, the the animated one. Oh, Avatar Last animated. Airbender. Yeah. Avatar. Okay. That one. You're getting you're getting close to my to my epiphany. Oh, interesting. Okay. Well, this is all this is all a perfect woven thing. <laughs> okay. So, I, but going back to the animation and Rob, you already brought this up. You talked about the different styles of animation at the beginning, and that was uh, honestly a fear I had for quite a while that when CG came out that we were going to lose the fun that they could do with animation. Like when you're yeah. watching The Lion King, the original The Lion King that's animated, and you have a moment like Just Can't Wait to Be King where the animation style totally changes and you have some something that's totally vibrant and alive like that is something that you weren't getting in CG animated films because they were creating something that felt very realistic. And now, like just over the last uh, decade or two, especially that you, they really started playing around with it in some of their shorts that they would release before their movies. But now you're seeing that 
integrated into the films themselves and watching a lot of that stuff in the beginning that had kind of 2d animation elements to it and then there was this thing when when uh, boone was talking about taking the castle and it kind of turned into like some yeah. other funky animation style yes. like there, yes. were, there was some really interesting play that they were allowing themselves throughout this and that got me really excited about where animation is going do you know what i love too and i don't know if this was connected or not but i did find this i thought this was a beautiful little throwback so we talked about that when they're doing the preface the story of how this all came about it's the puppet style paper mm. animation yes when they cut to the scene on in fang yes and the mother and you see them doing the puppetry and i was like well that's that could have been from that like i love that i was glad that they put that in there as sort of a little wink i think to to that style of animation too yeah no they the the uh the the uh, plan of attack on the the fortress where they where they go through their different ideas, uh-huh. yeah, that mm-hmm. was awesome. I wanted more of that. I was yes. like, oh, keep going. I want to see everybody. Exactly yeah, right. I know we only had like two, and then and then Cece was just like, let's go give him a gift, and that was kind of the end of it, which <laughs> was was cute, but. Yeah. Um, one of the things I, I like to in, in sort of in opposition to this is that while Disney can be big and bombastic and, and, and incredible visual stuff too, the subtleties they can still do in their storytelling is still amazes me that they can when they have all these tools at their disposal and they do the, the quietest moment and it really sings with me. And the two that come out to, to mind are when after they she's caught the the con baby and the what are they what happens with not monkeys ongies ongies and she's she's right she's like where are your parents and one of the monkeys just quietly yes puts himself in the position of a statue yes. you go, yeah. oh and you like you know everything it's yeah. just like one little gesture and you get it you're like oh right yeah uh, and then later on when they meet tong uh in spine um and he's talking about like like why is he the only one there like like oh i lost the whole village and then raya looks over and sees the crib with the stuffed elephant in it and you go oh he lost everyone like you go oh and like suddenly you understand his whole character not a word not anything no flashback just one shot and you get it and like that's quality filmmaking and that's i think um definitely a, a benefit that disney has in in their type of you know directing and their type of writing when they're doing these these big stories because you have so many creatives involved that can potentially come up with little moments like that that can be integrated into it right yeah that that could have just been literally one of the story artists saying wouldn't it be good if we did this and they went great yeah exactly although that that does um, beg the question and this is something that i i think it's an interesting question you know i i don't think I've really thought about this in terms of Disney's directors, because often it is a team. There's a number of different people that are helming these projects. Is there any that you feel have a director stamp? Like, do you feel that when you watch an animated film coming out of Disney that or or DreamWorks or anything? I mean, Hayao Miyazaki obviously is the one that is very definitive with a stamp of style. But are there anything in in what you've seen from Disney that really stand out as kind of a directorial stamp? Not really. Like that their house style sort of takes over. Yeah. Uh, because even when I looked up this one, I wanted like I'm like, oh he directed this. And there was the the one director Don Hall. 
No, not Don Hall. The Carlos Lopez Estrada is new. Like he's new to animation, new to Disney. Like he's like he he was the guy they brought in from the outside. But Don Hall was actually the veteran. And so I looked at his stuff and I'm like, oh, he directed the Winnie the Pooh movie from 2011, which is great. Uh, and he directed Big Hero Six. And so like I look at those two movies and this one and go, yeah, I don't I don't see anything. Like, I don't see any what the like if you with even with Pixar, which is also a group, you know, assembly kind of thing, thing, you can tell the difference between a Pete Doctor movie and a John Lasseter movie. And like, you know, because there's a different sort of rhythm and style to it. But like (laughs) with this. Oh, I think so. I think okay, so. Okay. Um, uh, but uh, I'm much, much more than you can hear. Like, I mean, like if you told me the person directed this also directed Tangled, I'd been like, sure. Okay, great. Yeah, and I would have like, never had thought of it. I mean, like it, it's, it, they, they, I think it's so much about, I, I hate to say it, but the machine, you know, that the, like it's, basically that yeah, they just sort of plug true. people in and they just like, they just have a, a captain steering, steering the ship, but then the ship's going to keep going, whether they, they, no matter what captain is at the helm. Well, it largely becomes about the, uh, the, the Disney team, just kind of that engine yes. that's behind it, you know, um, just kind of pushing to make all this stuff happen. And you know what? I mean, I'm thrilled. I, I I have always liked the way that they kind of like, you know, when I was younger, I would look at kind of those those story meetings that they would have where, you know, different people were getting up and talking through it. And it, it was very exciting to see the way that everything worked. And I thought that was really cool. Um, but I do wonder if there are times where they may benefit from having like a singular voice allowed to kind of create a singular toned film like they do with some of their shorts. I don't know, I, you know, because because this is one of those where, again, a lot of these fantasy elements in the the way they're building this world, there were times where I was like, I wish that I could feel a director's stamp on this because I feel like somebody could really do something really creative. And when it's kind of the committee running it, we don't get that chance. Yeah, I agree. And I think if anyone wants to see this in process, they did a great behind the scenes about the making of Frozen 2 uh, on Disney Plus, and you can watch it and like unprecedented amount of stuff they showed you. And it's a mess. Like (laughs) their process of putting movies together is you would not think from the organization who's done this, created this genre, essentially, and then did it. you'd think that they would have a process, but they don't. They just, they'll scrap stuff, delete stuff, right up until the last minute, they're still figuring it out. And they also have that, you're talking about that, the group of executives, they bring in pretty much every director who's working on something, they weigh in on everything else. So I would not be surprised if if these guys also sat in on Frozen 2 and gave notes on Frozen 2. Like they show a meeting of all of the directors sitting around pitching like, here's what I think you should need to do to fix your movie. I would be shocked if they were not in that meeting. Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah. Well, you know, the, the one thing is right, when I read about this, um, well, you can watch the short on Disney Plus where they show the the production of this. A lot of this was recorded during covid like they've been, this wasn't a movie they were they were working on this substantially over the last twelve months, and two there's a little bit of history about it that I read that major changes happened with the characters during the development of this movie. Right, like yeah. they brought in writers and stuff. Yeah. So including recasting the lead. Yes, <laughs> there's that <Yeah>. too. <laughs> I mean, like. I mean, and that and that happened late. Cassie Steele was going to play Raya initially. Yeah, yes. yeah, exactly. Yeah, she was cast and recorded stuff, uh, and then and then they changed directions and changed actresses, and so the movie was you know well on the way. I, I mean, like I think the they did not bring on Kelly Marie Tran until 
last year. I mean, until at least the end of 2019, they didn't tell us that they were doing it. Almost everything she was recorded was at home in a in a homemade uh, recording box. You know, one thing about stamps of, of style, I, this is not necessarily director, but one of the things that really hit at me watching this, especially after watching Soul back in December and a few other movies, Disney really has cemented, even in this in their age of CG, their heads, the the face <laughs> of a human has absolute certain proportions in terms of bone structure and the location of the eyes, unlike any other Pixar, you can completely tell the difference between a modern animated CG humanoid figure in a Disney movie compared to Pixar, DreamWorks, or anybody else. Yes. And I can tell you, uh, the, the teenagers hate it. <laughs> At least yeah, right. right. I mean, that and say the, the house style, like that, basically that style, uh, it drives my daughter crazy. Like that they have, that they, she's like, why does the dragon look like Elsa? That's funny. Like oh. she was so like, oh, like just it drove Same her colors crazy. and everything. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, oh, they, wow. they have that sort of that house style of the big eyes, small nose. Yeah. I mean, like the, even no matter where the movie is at, what universe it's in, they exactly. still have that same house style look to them. Uh, yeah, and it's it's just uh, for whatever reason that gets under her skin <laughs> as we were watching, and she couldn't get past it. I can certainly see that see that bothering people. You know, it's uh, it is one of those things where no matter how stylized it is, it it really starts feeling like it is of the same place. I just, I want to go back to your point though, um, or one, uh, whichever of you brought up the fact that they were doing so much of this at home, Rob, I think it was you. Did you, did you to see the credits at the very end where it actually talks about that? I love that because yeah. it was also at oh, the end no, of I Soul. This. They're talking, it's just, you know, thanks to everybody for, you know, working so hard at home in such, you know, trying circumstances or whatever. And, and, you know, clearly, you know, with such, uh, you know, poor, or, you know, people who are running this who are just so bad at technology and that it's just some Zoom joke about being on mute. Oh, yeah, yeah. that's fine. <laughs> dude, you're, oh. dude, you're still on mute. It actually yeah. says that. I'm, yeah. like, I'm like, oh, right. is that the first movie we've seen actually have that? <laughs> it was great. And, you know, I mean, that is a benefit of animation that they can do a lot of this type of work without necessarily going to sets and filming and, and that complexity. So to that end, I mean, even though animation is hard, it takes a lot of people, it takes a long time. I'd like to think that in the world of animation productions, that things are still cranking and things have yeah. really not had too much of a shutdown. Yeah, the the behind the scenes of Soul actually showed how Pixar transitioned. Like, because they were in production, like heavy production on Soul when the shutdown happened. And so they talked a lot about how their technology, how they had to pivot and get everybody at home. Uh, and it was it was really fascinating how they did it. Now, obviously, that's, that's Walt Disney. This is Walt Disney Studios, and that's Pixar, even though they, they're, you know, within the same family. They don't yeah. always communicate. Obviously, but it's interesting to see um, how they were able to adapt to a bizarre situation and still keep the the creativity flowing. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's. Uh, are there any other actors that you two want to talk about? We talked about Kelly Marie Tran, Aquafina. Uh, anybody else that you want to call out? I mean, I, I read a, a list at the beginning. I think there's a really fantastic group of people involved here. A lot of which have been in Marvel movies, just or either yeah. Marvel movies or other Disney properties like Star Wars. Yep. Um, but anyone else that you two want to call out in as for their voice performances? Uh, Francois Chow was one of the ones he played. One uh, as soon as he opened it up, I'm like, oh, he's from Lost. Like anybody who has watched Lost oh. and the you know the doctor who appears on the the film reels, 
explaining the rules yes. of the thing. He's that voice in there. I was like, oh, that's all. Like, like there's like that voice you know so well. Uh, and then as soon as Benedict Wong opened his mouth, I was like, oh, come on. Like, I had not looked. I don't like to look beforehand because my wife and I like to play a game of whose voice is that? <laughs> Guess the voice. Uh, so I did, I did not look at the list beforehand. So as, as people were talking, I was trying to. And of course, as soon as Daniel Day came, opened his mouth, too. I was well, like, I was oh, say, yes. Yeah, there's more lost lineage right there. Right. <laughs> yeah, and then the other and the other one that I had, I was going, wow, well, this woman is a fantastic. Who is this? And I was like, oh, that's Sandra O. Oh. And I'm like, oh, of course it's Sandra O. Oh. oh yeah. <laughs> and then of course Alan Tudyk. He's the new. Oh uh, yeah, lucky Disney voice. Yeah, that's he, right. Tuck tuck. I I love that he's kind of been pulled into doing all these Disney films now. Yeah, sorry, Rob. Vo- voice actors is one of my things. I just I love oh, it no, so much. Abs- so I didn't mean to steal all the good names. Well, no. And guess what? <laughs> what I loved is you missed my favorite one. Oh, okay, good. Which is great. Um, you hit everybody except I was like, don't mention this one, and yeah. I was like, yay, way to go. The uh, chiefess of the Talon Land. The character is Dong Hu. She is voiced by Lucille Sung. Who, if if you don't know who that is, she played the grandmother on Fresh Off the Boat. Oh, and okay. she is a famous long time. My God, she was a model like back in her in her much younger days. Um, you, if you see her, you would know exactly who she is. She's been in a bunch of different things. Oh God, her IMDb is like a mile long. Yeah. Yes. Well, she's in the Joy Luck Club. I actually just watched her recently uh, for Family Movie Night in the remake of Freaky Friday because she's in that. Oh yes. Yeah. Yes. yes. Oh, uh, we we love. We were big fans of Fresh Off the Boat. As soon as as soon as I heard her voice in the movie, I went, I know who that is. <laughs> <laughs> I was thrilled. She's, awesome. she's the one who ends up a skeleton, right? Like when they go to visit her, she's like all that's left is just in her skeleton. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Just wow, so she, her first role was in 1959. Yeah. Wow, amazing. Good on oh, her. Yeah, you'll be blown away. She, <laughs> what a what a life. Yeah. I'll just say. Yeah. yeah. That's fantastic. So yeah, I mean, thrilling cast. I, I was really excited to see that they, for a story that is, uh, I mean, again, it's a fictional land, but it is very much based on a lot of Asian, like different Asian cultures and landscapes and everything. I was thrilled to see them cast everybody uh, other than Alan Tudyk, who's making little <laughs> animal noises. Everybody is of Asian lineage of some of some sort. That was uh, really great to see. Okay, what else do you two want to talk about? Uh, I, one thing I want to talk about that has, did not come up naturally in the conversation is uh, my. I also watched this with my seven-year-old, uh, and one scene in particular terrified her. Now, oh. I have I, my daughters are very, very different. Right? We refer to my thirteen-year-old as having a heart of stone because she does not get emotionally invested in fictional stories. Like, just doesn't, like, like no matter what, like, whenever she reads, like, she has no emotional connection to the stuff. Like, she's not a sociopath, we, we think, uh, but it's just, that's not where, like, she enjoys them, she watches everything, she's seen uh, tons of things. I mean, I showed her everything, but she just doesn't, like, she, at one point she said, oh, I, at one point I, I felt like I was going to get connected, and I shut it down. I was like, <laughs> Okay, don't know if that's healthy, but okay. Oh no! Yeah. <laughs> it's like everybody's got their own stuff to go. Like, and she yeah, said right. she she's now saying that there is stuff that like she's listened to. She's like, oh, I listened to this podcast that made me cry, and I'm like, oh, okay, good. So there is something in there. Um, so she was fine, like all the way through. She just like she was fine. She's not snarky about all this stuff. She she you know she'll she'll get like we watch WandaVision with her, and she's oh ooh wow. I mean like she's she's in it, but it's just not like she's not going to break down. However, my seven year old is 
empath off the scale. So mm. she is 100% invested in everything that happened. We got to the scene where the father takes an arrow to the knee yes. and oh. then takes his daughter and throws her over and she lost it. She, oh. like, we had to pause yeah. the movie. She was bawling. Like she was un- like, we're like, no, no, it's a Disney movie. It'll be fine. Like they're, he's not dead. They're coming. Like the stone will come. I mean, but we had, I mean, it probably was like five minutes of just consoling her to, to calm her down, to be like, let's, let's see what happens. Like, let, don't, don't leave it in your head that he's stoned forever. Let's watch the rest of the movie and see that he comes back at the end. I'm like, please, Disney, please make him come back in the end. <laughs> you don't know. You honestly don't know. We were full on lying. You're using that because Disney is notorious for killing off I parents know. in their films. Oh, right no. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, please don't do this. Please don't. don't. Yeah, it's like Tarzan's parents, you know, yeah, Tarzan's back. parents, the mm. frozen parents. Yeah, right. there's so right. many different so, parents. Like, yeah, exactly. Bambi's mom. Never come back. Yeah. Oh. yeah, no, like we could, we could go on the long list. Um, but yeah, so but yeah, that that scene, whatever, was like was like almost too much for her. Well, that's I like that because that uh, even yeah, that early it on, it shows yeah. that you that people were really connecting to it, and that was a powerful moment. I really yeah. enjoyed the strength of that scene, but it did raise a question at the end. While dad was stoned, I guess his leg healed because he seemed totally fine at the end. And I had, well, I, I was like, is this something that I should be bothered with or We not? don't know how long it was that it took her to get back. Well, I mean, he like, was stoned for at least six years. No, no, he was stoned for six years. But from when he, like, like the, the, the whoosh happens and she's oh, yeah. on the other side of the... The, I don't know. She's they they seem uh, to move around pretty quickly. Spine? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they move quickly. Yeah, that's why I thought like I, my my daughter made that point too. I'm like, well, we don't know how big this is. I mean, like this this whole world could be like the size of Manhattan. Like we don't know like what the yeah what right. the scale it, of it is. It could is. take a couple hours. It could take you know two yeah, months exactly. Like I mean, if this if this whole island is like Cuba. You know, then okay. yeah. the only though though they make a point is to see the difference in environments. True, you would, would assume it, that it is pretty far away. But Rob, yeah. magic. Mm, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, I'm saying like if like this is this is this is my 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 no prize. So from from when the the whoosh happened and he came back to when she came back, it could have been a week or whatever. So he could have gotten sure. You know, sure. stuff to it, and we don't see him like running. You know, like he's he was having trouble. He was having trouble picking up the broom or I mean, so yeah. maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe, still, maybe, yeah, he, I mean, he doesn't, he doesn't like do a you know slow-mo run to her across the right. bridge or anything. No, so. right, right. Yeah. They, they kind of keep that a little clean, but, uh, I don't know. I was a little, little, hmm. And then do like, do like, uh, like how to train your dragon, like comes back and he's just, he's, he's missing a leg now. Right. Exactly. Right. His, <laughs> his leg has fallen off <laughs> or now he has a, he has an arrow permanently like embedded <laughs> as part of his leg. Now. Right. Just... <laughs> uh, and then what do you think as far as like the Sisu getting all these different powers from the different pieces of the stones, which I thought was kind of interesting as far as like mm-hmm. what it allowed Sisu to do. But did that, so did when the stone was healed and all the dragons came back, could Sisu then do nothing except her water magic? Yeah, or, I mean, it was never or really is this explored. That all but. the dragons can do all of the things? I was a little unclear on that too, because when they come back, they, they're running on the raindrops. I'm like, oh, I thought that was just the power of the one. Of yeah, them. right. Exactly. Yeah, because, and none of them turned back to humans. So I couldn't really tell. Right. Theoretically, I was assuming, well, one of them is a shape changer. You know, one of them could do, and so I, who knows, who knows. One of those story points, I guess, we'll wait for the sequel to yeah, answer. Right on the second to last drag. I think there will be. <laughs> second I think to there last, very yeah. will be. 
Um, I, you know, I always have to call out film scores when it's amazing. Uh, uh, James Newton yeah. Howard's music here. Um, you know, he also did the music for Avatar, which I brought up earlier, um, The Last Airbender. And that was um, a fantastic score, even if the film was terrible. I loved his music. <laughs> he did just an, a brilliant job with it. But I think, again, he he loves digging into these films where he is allowed to kind of create different kind of um, identities for different groups. And I think that he did a really fantastic job with this score. Agreed. Yeah. 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 Um, all right. Rob, I know you have a particular point you wanted to bring up. Do you want to bring that up now? <laughs> yeah, here, let's let's just do this. OK, so so here's what happened. Blow Let me explain. Minds, Rob. OK, now you you've teased it, but I'm going to go all in on this. All right. There is a moment in the movie early on, and you've said this, the big title card, right? Mm-hmm. Now, I'm going to tell you something. I'm watching this with my wife. That happens, the sort of like really drawn back wide shot of a, of a location, and the first one comes in. And I jolted, and I went, whoa, because I only think of two movies when I see that. One, I think of Star Trek, the reboot from 09, right? Where you, where you had these oh, locations sure. and big name. Oh, okay. But the, but, the, but the other movie I think of, and let me let me do it for you now. Kyle knows that I love alternative titles for movies. Mm-hmm. And if I was going to give you an alternative title for this movie, it would be Guardians of the Kamandra. <laughs> this movie, oh, wow. this movie oh. is Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, my God. Wow. Wait, what am I talking about? A band of misfit characters assembled to procure a magical stone? You mean like the smart aleck kid with a ship? You mean like the extra large, overpowerful warrior who misses his lost family? You mean like the small, cunning creature and her whimsical whimsical and unexpected sidekicks? You mean the tortured protagonist who has trust in daddy issues and her sister-like antagonist with the interesting haircut who she battles with swords at the end. Wow. Interesting. And hold on. The Druin is the Power Stone's vortex. Ah. The purple storm. The final scene of this movie is the end of Guardians <laughs> of the Galaxy. Yeah. They didn't even have a dance off. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Well, I mean, wow. and I say this, and let me just tell you something. Normally, you'd think when you say something like this, you'd be like, oh, you're you're trashing the movie. No, I love the movie. Yeah. But it's it's Disney's Guardians of the Galaxy. All, all it needed was her dad to appear in the purple mist to, uh, <laughs> well, to I'm to waiting. Do you know what I was waiting? I even said to Margie. Margie's like, shut up. Stop talking. I thought you were going to find out that they were sisters. Oh, oh, interesting. Yeah. Because I was like, well, that's where this is headed. This is why they had the affinity at the beginning. Mm-hmm. This is why the mother doesn't, you don't see the father and why the father, you don't see the mother. There's something along with the lore of this. I literally fully expected that. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, okay. W- am I wrong? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's really good. Yeah. That's- like as soon as you said it, it was sort of like it just clicked in. Right? Yeah. And I'm going to, you know what I mean? Seriously, the whole movie, I'm like, oh my God, like this is kind of like, let's go to nowhere. Yeah, that's really funny. the collector, right? right? Like, where, what's, 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 what's happening here? <laughs> there you are. So, who, so who is Sisu in the, in the, well, the now, okay. So, Sisu is the weird, we, Sisu's the oddball character. I, I will tell you, do you know who I think Sisu is? Mantis? Meredith. Meredith. <laughs> This okay in Guardians <laughs> of the Galaxy, Star Lord's mom's soundtrack is what binds the whole mystical journey together. 
that's Sisu in the movie. Mm. Interesting. Now, if any of you are saying, Rob, that's that's great, but you're a little crazy. (laughs) Let me now call your attention to a little article in The Hollywood Reporter titled The Resurrection of Kelly Marie Tran from Uh, March 3rd, 2021. And I'm going to quote from director Don Hall. Because this was in reference to them changing the character of Raya. This is a quote. By the way, he directed Big Hero 6, if we hadn't mentioned that previously, but go ahead. Yes. The quote is, as we were changing this character, quote, for a comp, we looked at Star-Lord from Guardians of the Galaxy in terms (laughs) of having a little of that swagger. (laughs) I don't remember exactly the moment when we threw out Kelly Marie's name, but we all lit up just knowing that she's got comedic gifts, lightness and buoyancy, and also badassery. Wow. Yeah. There it is. Uh, really? <laughs> it's, it's Guardians of the Galaxy. So funny. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> uh, we have not really said much about Kelly Marie Tran, but I am a huge Kelly Marie Tran oh, fan. Yeah. Uh, and, I, and I think that, uh, you know, the fandom owes her a lot for how crappy they treated her after sure. Last Jedi. Uh, so I'm yes. happy that she's back. I'm happy that it's success. And I want her to stay off of social media because social media is terrible. <laughs> it is. It is. Yeah. <laughs> and please read the Hollywood Reporter article because it's phenomenal. Yeah, I, I've actually I waited until after I'd seen the movie until I, when I was yeah. going to read it. But yeah, I'm looking forward to that, too. Oh, and she was just on uh, Comedy Bang Bang, too. And she was really funny. Excellent. Awesome. Excellent. On podcast, another, another podcast out there. Yeah, right, so. right, right. Um, and she's currently also in the Crudes too. If people want yes. to, yes, she uh, is. Right there. So there Which you go. That is also worth your time. All right. So a few little statistics that are you know just fun, and people throw this out here in the Disney or on the trivia page for the movie. So I may as well read it. Um, this is the first film from Disney Studios since Moana, which is just five years ago, but still to be shown theatrically with a short film. Now I still haven't watched the short film since I was watching it at home. Did either of you watch it? It's called Us Again. No, is it on Disney Plus? I didn't Somewhere? look. I couldn't remember okay. what the name. Um, it says, it, okay, here you go. The short is set to drop on Disney Plus in June. So ah, we'll have okay. to wait oh, uh, a little bit if we want wait, to is see that. that. A tease to get you to the, that's a tease to get you to the theater. Yeah. Yes, it's only in the theater right oh, now. Yeah. Okay. This gotcha. is the first, their Walt Disney Animation Studios' first film since Chicken Little without any involvement from John Lasseter since he has ah, departed Disney Animation. Free of yeah. that guy. Um, the this is uh, you know Walt Disney Animation 62nd feature film. This is their first fantasy themed film since The Black Cauldron that wasn't a musical. Yeah, that's true. Interesting, I yeah. say, so uh, just as as we're talking about this, Ooh. do you guys think it would have been better as a musical? No, I don't think so. No, no. I, I you know I I I mean I really enjoy their musicals, but I also feel like. Um, I, you know, I, maybe that would have actually helped me like it a little bit more. Actually, I don't know. I, I, I'm torn on that, but I don't feel like everything has to be a musical. And so, oh well, yeah. yeah, I'm going to convince you of of not thinking that con baby. <laughs> Are you saying you that the baby would have a song? Oh, no, he did not. Want you did not. <laughs> no, no. The monkeys no. playing on drums. Exactly. And, yeah, yeah, no. You okay. know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. I do. I do. No. Right. <laughs> uh, this is actually Disney's 23rd feature film not to be a musical. Uh, so they have had quite a number of them, which haven't, but it seems like they've had a lot more. Um, this is their ninth Disney animated film not to be based off any existing work, um, which it's I, I'm always excited when they do that. Yeah. This is the 19th Disney animated feature film to have a female protagonist, and it is the 22nd animated feature film to take the name of the protagonist or protagonists in the title. Hmm. That is definitely a trope that Disney likes to 
use. <laughs> Throw the name into the title. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so well, that's it. I don't have any other interesting little trivia, but um, so I guess let's let's wrap things up here. Any last uh, remarks or anything before we give our star ratings for this film? What would you say to somebody who's who's trying to you know flip a coin on whether they're going to drop their their thirty bucks or not? Kyle? Did you did you like Guardians of the Galaxy? <laughs> oh, then don't please don't mistake that because that yeah. I don't want because if you hated Guardians of the Galaxy, no, you may actually love this. This is not this is not that. No, look if in my opinion, this is a a beautiful movie. Yes, a beautiful movie with a strong message. And the message, I think, I mean, not that I'm saying if you like your movies with messages, but it's a lot of times where we reach for the stars on a message, right? And we just think, oh, this this very ambiguous way of, you know, being that person that it aspires to be. No, this this movie deals with it in a very real human way on how we can just be better people. Nice. That's a good thing. Yeah. That's that's not a bad thing. So is it is it worth your is it worth your 30 bucks? I, you know us, we're sure. Uh, yeah, yeah right. I, I think it is. I, I mean, I do. I think it is. Yes. Will I watch it again? Yeah, actually, I will. It's that beautiful. Yeah. Yes. Oh yeah. I, it even, is even, after, yeah. even even after that traumatic incident, and when we were finished, my daughter immediately wanted to watch it again. I was like, okay, just know when to fast forward. It helps when they've seen it. Also, yes. they know they know what's going to happen. So, Kyle, what are your final thoughts on the film? Yeah, I I I'm I'm not sure if if uh, I guess if you if you have the. Thirty dollars burning a hole in your pocket, but I think you also could be fine waiting. Like, uh, there's there's certain things I think are going to hit the culture big and make a big splash, like Frozen did, like Moana did. I don't think this is going to do that. Um, I think it's a, a quality film, but I don't think it's going to have quite that far-reaching appeal uh, that the other one have. I think just because of the nature of the storytelling or the fact that it's not a musical, I don't know. But um, I think it is definitely, if you're a fan of animation, definitely 100% you need to see it. I just think you could probably wait until it, you know, with three months or whatever, and then it goes free on Disney+. Plus. Yeah, I would say if you're in a place where you're able to watch this on the big screen, check hmm. it out on the big screen, oh, because yeah, it's probably going to be stunning to see on that size. I think that would make it completely worthwhile again if it's safe oh, yeah. for you to go to a movie theater yeah um here in the states i don't feel perfectly safe going to theaters at this point so i'm fine watching it at home and like i said with a family of four mm-hmm. it made sense for me to drop the money um because we would have gone to see it at the theater anyway um but you know if if it's not if it's just you if you're de- if you're debating i would just wait it's going to be yeah. what 3 months before you can watch it on disney plus for free so um i would largely say that for people but or but with, i, with I, price I still, of membership i guess yeah right exactly Free but i'd still say i enjoyed the film i just i i had some issues i never really connected with it i had issues with some of the characters and a lot of it the kind of the pat way the story was told but still i really connected with the messaging i thought that was strong so all right well let's all uh, give our star ratings for um our letterboxed portion of the show letterboxd if you are a fan of letterboxd and you use it you can go to the nextreel.com slash letterboxd and you can actually um, upgrade to pro or patron membership and get a 20 percent discount and that applies even if you are already a member and you're going to get your renewal so check that out so gentlemen out of five stars and uh and the letterboxd heart where would you land with this film uh i would say four stars uh, I think I, I didn't like you, like you. I, I also didn't have that emotional connection to it that would sort of push it up to the top. But I recognize the quality storytelling and the the amazing visuals and that 
and and that just that outstanding cast uh, that pushed up that far. And would you give it a heart? I'm assuming you would the way you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Yeah. All right, Rob, what about you? Oh, I'm conflicted. Yes, I would give it a heart. But <laughs> I was going to say, okay, now I'm going to tell you this. I was uh, I was going to say three and a half stars. Hmm. And the only reason why I'm not quite at four, because of my epiphany that I had during the movie. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, if you're going to steal, Curse steal those epiphanies. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're, I love that movie, and I'll tell you everything you need to know about me. I'm going to say three and a half. And yes, I, I did. I did. I did like it. Okay. You know, I, I am a little more, I'm going to be a little more rough on the film. I mean, I... I I, I struggled so much with some parts of it, but I'm going to give it two and a half, which might seem a little low. But, you know, I I feel like it still is a fair assessment of the film. I enjoyed it. I'll give it a heart um, largely because it's just a stunner to watch. I mean, it really is just a beautiful film from beginning to end. Um, I just I, I have a feeling I am going to always struggle with Aquafina as Sisu. And that really bothers me because I love her so much in so many other projects. And hearing her here, I'm just like, ah, you're the wrong person for that character. Or or they wrote it wrong for her. I mean, it really kind of goes both ways. But that lands us at a, a three and a third um, over on Letterboxd. So we'll get that up there. Coming up next for the film board, we're actually going to have a special one that Kyle is going to be running, and they're going to be talking about Zack Snyder's Justice League. That's right. And if you talk about emotional disconnection, boy, that's going to be the movie for you. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> uh, yes, that will be an interesting one. Uh, that should be coming up later in the month. But otherwise, that's it, everybody. Don't forget to join our online community with fellow movie lovers. You can learn more at thenextreel.com slash discord. And if you're interested in supporting us to help keep the lights on and get some great benefits while you're at it, head to thenextreel.com slash membership. Kyle, Rob, thanks so much for joining me tonight to talk about Raya and the Last Dragon. Thank you. Thank you for having us. It's been fun. Well, here at the next reel, when the movie ends, our conversation begins. Enough said. Here on the film board, we have covered quite a variety of great page-to-screen adaptations over the years, from superheroes like Christopher Nolan's The Dark Knight Rises, based on stories like Nightfall and The Dark Knight Returns, to horror and sci-fi like Max Brooks's World War Z and Hiroshi Sakazuraka's All You Need Is Kill, which became one of our favorites, Edge of Tomorrow, with Tom Cruise and Emily Blunt. And who could forget Andy Weir's stranded astronaut adventure, The Martian, or Dave Eggers' tech thriller, The Circle? Supposedly so much better than the movie. We've also explored Stephen King epics like The Dark Tower and It, biopics like Damien Chazelle's First Man, and sweeping sagas like Denis Villeneuve's take on Frank Herbert's Dune. And don't forget Martin Scorsese's Killers of the Flower Moon, based on David Grant's nonfiction book about the 1920s murders of the Osage Nation. I just finished the book, and it's fantastic. It's always fascinating to look at the source material, and we often do as the book lovers we are. For those of you out there who love to do the same, head to thenextreel.com slash originals to find all of our past episodes and dive deeper into these adapted stories. 
And it's not just stories. We've included things like the video games Uncharted and Detective Pikachu. That's right. TheNextReel.com slash Originals is your one-stop shop for in-depth looks at the sources for cinematic adaptations that we have discussed. Every purchase you make supports the film board and The Next Reel's family of shows. So what are you waiting for? Head to TheNextReel.com slash Originals and get your next read today. 